your presence. We pray your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, come like a mighty rushing wind and fill this place. Fill each person. Fill each person, Lord. And we pray this this morning. And everybody who agrees said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We'll bless those germs. <laughs> but they become life. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for little boys and big boys who want to serve communion to the congregation. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name and show them, Lord. Open our eyes this morning to your purpose and your plan for this most holy holy thing that we do before you lord thank you jesus thank you lord joe 20 luke 22:14 Thank you, boys. I have a a fast little funny story. The other day I was talking to Ephraim and Jackson and Ollie in the car on the way to Stella's game. And we were talking about how Jesus was coming soon. We were talking about how Jesus was coming soon. And it was so cute because when we got to the game, Ollie took Aunt Lizzie's phone and he pressed Google and he asked Google, Google, when is Jesus coming? (laughs) It was so cute. And uh, he is coming soon, and he's coming for us. He's coming soon and very soon for us. And he's coming on the clouds. He's coming for us. And he's going to take us to be with him in glorious heaven. And... We look for that day, right, boys? We're going to watch for that day, and we're going to be ready because we're going to be ready because we're just going to love Jesus, and we're going to thank him. And one of the things that impresses me this morning about this time of communion is the boys, the little boys, because communion, the first communion was with 12 little boys, right? The 12 disciples who were in Jesus's eyes, in God's eyes, were all his little children. And you know what they represented to us, those 12, those 12 disciples at that time? They were 12 
young men and men in love with Jesus. They wanted to follow the Messiah like we do. We want to follow Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. And we're not perfect like them. Each one showed us different examples of how they had weaknesses and how they were human and how sometimes they had doubts. One of the disciples was actually called Doubting Thomas because he always had doubts. But guess what? They were still disciples. They were the 12 chosen. Do you think that you're chosen by God? Yes. And you may have you may have things in your life because you're human that you struggle with. It could be doubts. It could be fear. It could be lying. It could be hate. It could be so many things because we all get tempted. Just like the 12 young men, the disciples, they were human. But that's why Jesus loves us. Do you know why he loves humans? Do you you know why he loves humans, Ali? Because he created us. He created us. And it says that he actually formed us in his image. So we come together this morning because Jesus said that when we partake of his body, let's hold up the body, When we partake of his body, he says that he died and he was broken. Let's break the bread with your hand and we're going to eat it together. Let's eat the body. Thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said that he was broken for our healing. And this morning, as we partake of the body of Jesus, we pray, Jesus, for those this morning who need your healing. Amen? Amen. We pray for those who need your healing. We pray for those who are broken. And as we partake of the body of Jesus, And in your body, your body of disciples here who have chosen you and you have chosen us, Lord, we pray for the healing to take place this morning by faith. And then Jesus tells us to hold up. Let's hold up the blood. He tells us that we must partake together of his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. So Lord, we hold this up to you in honor and glory. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us on the cross of Jesus. We thank you that you shed your blood, you died for us that we could be forgiven. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the body, and thank you for the blood. And we're just going to read in honor of the Lord this morning. We'll read Luke 22, and it is verse 14. We'll start with 14.
okay? Can you stand up and read with me as we honor God with his word? And this is our reminder. This is why we do it, because the word of God is alive and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. And what you just did this morning, you did out of obedience to God's word to us. So let's read together. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you, Joe. So, Father, we just thank you again, and we praise you. We give you glory. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would minister this communion to all of our hearts. That, Father, you would bring us into connection with you. You would bring us into connection with you through Holy Communion. And we praise you and we thank you. And everyone said again, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Ollie. There's wine. Grandma's. All right. Everybody's going back for seconds of the body and the blood. Amen. Hallelujah. Can't get enough of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, Grace, come on down. Isn't, isn't this a miracle? Look at those two lily plants still alive and pushing blossoms. That's amazing. It's a miracle. It's the everlasting lily. You know, Jesus was called Lily of the Valley. Wasn't he? That's right. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for the tithes and offerings that you're bringing into this place. Let it be used for your glory, Lord God. Let it be used to spread the kingdom of the gospel the kingdom of heaven, across the world, the nations, Lord God, to your people, to our neighbors, Lord God, to our family, Lord, to our, all our loved ones, Lord, let it be used for that. And I praise you and thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, we look forward 
with excitement to what you're going to do, Lord God, here. Even though it might not seem like much, but Lord God, we're expecting great things, Lord God, because you are the God of impossible. You are the God that makes all things possible. And I give you all the praise and honor and glory. Thank you for prospering the work of our hands. Thank you for blessing us, blessing our families, keeping us healthy and strong, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, I forgot the grace. Can you take this back to your dad when you, when you get back that way? I forgot to give him the scriptures. Joe, if you have, you can go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We can start with that. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would bless this word. That you would bless the reading of your word, that you would bless this service, that your Holy Spirit would have his way in this place and in our lives forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> All right. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, let me say that again, dearly, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Where are you going? Half our church is gone. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Be imitators of God. Well, I guess we can all be posers, huh? <laughs> we can be, po what do they say, chameleons, posers, you know? But we should be posers and chameleons of the right one, and that's of God, amen? Be imitators of God. Live a life of love. I asked myself this question this morning as I was writing this, and you should ask yourselves the same question. Are you living a life? Am I living a life of love? Am I giving of myself to others, not just to my family, but to others, as Christ has gave of himself? I mean, these are questions I just was thinking of when I was writing this message, that I'm asking myself, am I an imitator of God? Am I giving of myself as God gave of himself? Am I living a life of love as Christ loved us? He loved us so much that he gave his life for us, that he went to the cross and died. Am I not only loving my family, but loving my neighbor as myself? That's the greatest commandment, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor. 
Am I being an imitator of God? Are people seeing Christ in me and not just Chris? Am I representing Jesus on earth in my daily life more than I represent myself? You know, I had that same debate one time with a senior pastor of mine who's gone on to be with the Lord now, Tom McDonald. And we were on our way to a men's retreat in Quebec. And I was in the car. I was a new Christian. Immature, you can say, an immature Christian at the time. Just was delivered from drugs and alcohol and everything else that you could imagine. <clears throat> and I wasn't back here in New York State probably less than a year, year and a half. As a heathen had no respect for the law or, let's say, authority. And I find myself in a car with a judge, a pastor, a sheriff who was a private investigator, and myself. That's really not a, not a comfortable place to be when you are a criminal, <laughs> right? Living a life of hedonism, pretty much. Doing my own thing. Didn't really know all the aspects of God. I did receive Christ Jesus here in this church right over there by that window. But now, it's the funniest thing how God moves in a person's life and how He puts you in places. I didn't feel uncomfortable because I gave my life to Christ and I knew all my sins were washed clean as snow and they were gone. But I found it interesting that here I am in a car ride, and I got to go all the way to Quebec. I'm going all the way to Canada with these three men, a judge, a pastor, and a private investigator, and a criminal. <laughs> it's the funniest place. But God didn't see me as a criminal. God sees me as a child of God, one that he loves and one that he went to the cross for and died for, who he redeemed by his blood. And that is exactly how God sees each one of you who believe in Jesus, who've given his life to him. He sees you as his child, who he redeemed, who he sacrificed his own son for. You are worth and are worthy and are able to be with him and seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God. That is how God sees you. But I'm having this debate with the pastor, me and Tom. Tom saying that he only sees Jesus when he sees us, that he only sees Jesus in us. That's it. My response was, well, doesn't he see me? Doesn't he see Chris? Chris? 
Tom's response says, no, he only sees Jesus. I said to him, he doesn't see me like I don't exist. Tom said, no, he only sees Jesus. And we went on and on about this. I said, well, I know that he sees Jesus in me, but doesn't he see me as the person of who I am, my individuality? And he says, no, he only sees Jesus. We had that debate. And the judge at the time, who knew Tom better than I did, they were really best friends, and Tom was getting mad. Because Tom, we were, we were in the car, he was getting mad. I, I'm trying to understand. And then Vince Squillia turns around and looks at him, the judge, and says, oh, I guess you haven't died to yourself yet. <laughs> Which made the whole even ride even more tense. You know? So, because... He was, must have been talking with Vince on how he was giving up everything, how he gave it all to God. Well, and I'm trying to get answers. So we had that debate. But I can see now, now that I'm a little older, a little more mature, where Tom was actually coming from. God only sees Jesus in us. As children of light, as imitators of God, as born-again, blood-bought children, washed by the blood, God only sees Jesus. You see, when we take on the new man, and I believe this is where God, where, what Tom was trying to say, and he might not have put it across in ways where I could understand it, at the time, because again, I was newborn in Christianity. I was just saved probably a few months before that whole thing. And I'm trying to understand, and I had a hunger and a thirst for the Word at that time like never before. I pray to get that hunger and thirst for the Word back, where I was into the Word, I was reading it. You know, I've gone through several Bibles because I was so hungry and thirsty for the Word of God that I would go through, I'd rip through, I'd, like I read the whole Bible, and I was rereading it, and I'm reading the New Testament over and over again, and I'm underlining and writing things, and like literally the first Bible I ever got from my brother-in-law and sister-in-law is totally half of it's missing because it, the binding and everything fell apart. I've got pages underlined where I've written too hard and underlined with a pen that I've actually ripped. There's coffee stains in it, you know, I'm, I'm literally missing half of the New Testament, and it, I don't know where that went. But that was my first Bible. And God wants us to be into, his, into that Bible like that. We should have our Bibles out reading them. There should be coffee stains in there. You should have, you should have pages underlying. underlying. If you flip through this Bible, you're going to see notes, underlined pages, highlighted pages, Throughout the whole thing. That's how God wants us to be into His Word. Hungry and thirsty for Him. Knowing Him. Letting Him changing us from inside. Going from glory to glory to glory. You see, when we take on the new man, 
or woman of God, we become like Christ. And there's scriptures that actually say that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You look like Jesus. You don't look like yourself anymore. And that's what Tom was trying to say to me. Is that when I asked Jesus into my heart, that I am being changed into the new man that Christ created me to be. The person who I was created to be was to be an imitator of God, to be like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. The old is passed away. Behold, new things have come. I don't have my tablet here, Joe, but you can go now to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do you know that we have a we have a bonding agent in every one of our bodies that God put there? And I believe that bonding agent is love. Binds them all together. If we actually look into our DNA, you will notice that in all of our DNA... There is a part of our DNA that is more supernatural than you can imagine. And it binds and it keeps the whole body together. The whole body. It's like the super glue that keeps your flesh on your skin. That keeps your muscles on your bones. That keeps your ligaments attached to your muscles and your bones. That you can create and move all these parts of your body. There's an actual DNA, I don't know what it's called, I've seen it before, that actually binds and holds you together. And that bonding agent is love. Romans 6.6 6 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The old self was crucified. The old man is dead and gone. Now, what is left is Jesus. Right? What's left is Jesus. What's left is what I read earlier. Kindness, patience, goodness, self-control. You know, the fruits of the Spirit. 
You can read them. That's Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verses 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Be imitators of God. Not only that, but we're being renewed into the image of our creator. We are being more and more and more, becoming more and more and more like Jesus. The more we surrender our lives to Jesus, to God, we become more like him. Amen? More like Jesus. All this to say, I have much work to do <laughs> in myself. I have much work to do in myself. To truly die to myself and live 100% for God is easy to say, but not so easy to do. Because we're living a fallen world, and that fallen old man wants to creep up again and say and do something that's not godly. This is why each day we must put on the new self. This is why each day we must ask God to renew us according to a true knowledge, according to the image of God, that who he created us to be. You know, John G. Lake used to get up every morning, dress himself in his finest suit that he had, look in the mirror before he started his day, and he would say to himself, God lives in that man. God lives in that man. If we got up every day, got ready to go to work to start our day, but took five seconds to look into the mirror and say, God lives in that man. God lives in that woman. How different our whole thought process would change. You know, that's why they put those little bracelets out there that used to say WWJD. What would Jesus do? They did that as a reminder to live more like Christ. So when things come in your life that are hard and challenging, we can say, God lives in that man. We can remind ourselves, what would Jesus do in this situation? How am I going to respond? Maybe I should pause a minute before I even respond and say those little ver words in my mind. God lives in that man. You better be careful. You are an ambassador of Christ Jesus. You are representing the King of Kings here in this situation right now. How are you going to respond? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Right? Our whole thought process, it's just training our thoughts and reminding us of who we are. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. We are the children of God. 
We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart for God. Think about that. You're a nation within a nation. You're a people that are set apart for God. To do what? To do good works. To edify and build people up. To help people. To love people. <clears throat> we are being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of God, the one who created us. Do you know what the definition of being renewed is? Besides, it is being made like new. <laughs> but to restore, to freshness, to restore a vigor, to be perfected, to renew our strength, to make new spiritually, to regenerate, to regenerate, to restore to existence or revive. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? Didn't Jesus make all things new? In the end of the book, in the chapter of Revelations, on 21, he said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. Didn't Jesus restore us to a place of authority over all the earth? Over Satan? In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, underline that, all the powers of the enemy, nothing will harm you. That's what Jesus did. Jesus restored us. He renewed us. Gave us authority. Took the old man, threw it away. Behold, gives you a new man, renews your mind daily. This is what is happening to those who are believers. Each day, God is renewing them, He's renewing our minds. He's restoring us from the fall. He restored us from the fall through his son, Jesus. He's restored us, our place in heaven, where God created us to be with him always through eternity. He restored all the things that happened in the fall of man. He's given us all authority over the devil. We just get duped by the devil. That's what happens. The devil is a liar, a schemer, a deceiver. He's been doing it for 6,000 years, even more. 6,000 years since he's been on this earth, 
But when he was in heaven, he deceived a third of the angels and they fell. He's been a deceiver for a long time. He's mastered the art of deception. He poses as an angel of light, but he's not. That's why everything that glitters is in gold. We won't go there, Caleb. <laughs> but everything that glitters isn't gold. He's the devil. He's a deceiver. He's a con man. And he's been doing it for a long time. But Jesus, through the work of the cross... And through his resurrection, gave us all authority over him. All authority. The devil has no hold on me. Amen. And the devil has no hold on you. It's only you that let him have the hold on you. It's only you that choose to give in to his deceptions. And it's a choice. Because God is a respecter of persons, and God is not a God to force himself on you. Because God's a God of love, and mercy, and grace. God gave us authority over the devil. He sent his Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to revive us, to give us a freshness and a vigor, to perfect us. To restore us. Until we become more and more like Christ. We all. Until all he sees in us is Jesus. So I guess Tom was actually right. All God sees is Jesus in us. He no longer sees us, but the work that his son Jesus did in us. I don't know about you, but I want to smell like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. I want to speak like Jesus. I want to hear like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to listen like Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to... Raise the dead like Jesus. I want to heal the sick like Jesus. I want to restore sight to the blind like Jesus. I want to raise the dead like Jesus. I want to walk on the water like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. That's what I want. That's what each one of us should want. To be more and more like Jesus. I want to smell like Jesus. Amen? I want to have the strength like Jesus and the authority like Jesus to trample upon serpents and upon scorpions. I want to love like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is love. And he showed it in the most powerful way. By going to the cross for us. By dying for us.
Because you know why? He loved us. And He still loves us. And He'll always love us. And He'll always be there for you right to the very end. He said He'll never fail you or forsake you. He'll never leave you or abandon you. He will be with you wherever you go right to the very end. Amen? Always. That's a promise. He told it to His disciples. That's a promise. We can hold on to it with all that we have, all that we are, and all that we'll ever be. But we should strive in our lives, in our Christian lives, to be more and more like Jesus every day. More and more like Jesus. Lord, the man, that, the man I'm looking at in that mirror, God lives in that man. Let's get up every day this week and say, God lives in that man when we go brushing our teeth before we go to work or taking a shower before you go to school, whatever. When you get in that mirror, you got to say, God lives in that man. God lives in that woman. I'm a child of God. I want to show the world Jesus through the life I live. And how I live, and what I say, and what I do, and how I act and react. Help me to show Jesus. Help me to show Jesus. Help me to give everything to Jesus. It's all His anyways. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. That, Lord, Your will would be done today. That, Lord, we would walk out of here smelling like Jesus. Looking like Jesus. Glowing like Jesus. Living like Jesus every day. And I pray this, Lord God, and I pray your blessings over your people. I pray your blessings, Lord God, over this week. Lord, I pray for your healing and your power. Lord, to each one of us in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray that you would touch us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus.